Welcome to Deal Shredders. We are your hosts, David and Greg. We are local Nashville investors, cash buyers, and real estate agents who love to analyze your deals. Mike Brady, how are you today, buddy? Doing great. Good. We are here, episode 12, with Mr. Mike Brady, who I've known in the Ren Group for quite some time now, who um, is a partner in Toro Title which is a very, very, very investor-friendly title company um, with Matt Anderson and also partner in Property Recycle, which you guys I know are, you know, hard money lending for pretty much focusing on a lot of rehabs and stuff like that. Yeah, generally a a non-bank lender, our primary loan. Non-bank lender. Uh, Awesome. Kind of the fix and flip type loan that everybody knows so well. Uh, Most people call it hard money. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you, I uh, you know you've got a lot in the Nashville market. Um, I, I didn't know you were in Virginia Beach, a little bit of Birmingham, Montgomery. So yeah. So my family owns uh, Homebusters franchises. You may be familiar uh, with like billboards or TV ads that have a caveman on them, say we Bogley houses. And so our markets are here: Birmingham, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and Virginia Beach, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So Mike. Uh, Talk to us. Like, what do you think we're going to be? Uh, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, I know that you're an expert in hard money lending, but you you have an expert expertise in a lot of things. You've been doing investing for a long yeah, what time. What is on your mind, especially right now with what's going on, for sure? Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll touch real quick on where we're at with our lending right now. Um, you know, things have certainly tightened up, and if you are just dying to acquire real estate right now. You need to get something rolling um, and, and you need to borrow money from a hard money lender. We're looking at uh, lower LTVs. So we're coming in at a max of 65% of the subject to or the ARV. Um, we're still lending 100% as long as your deal is under that 65%. Uh, above that, you know, obviously you're going to bring some more money to the table, but um, we do have that 100% option on your acquisition and rehab. Uh, at this time, we haven't changed our rates or anything like that. All that's staying the same term is still uh, six to nine months. Um, so a lot of that stuff stayed the same. We're just lowering our lever- leverages a little bit for right now. Um, not real sure when that's going to come back up to 70%, but um, my gut says sometime late third quarter. Um, and what was that see. now for everyone? What does that compare to what it was six months ago? Uh, six months ago, we were at 70% max LTV. Um, so we, we've just dropped our max loan by 5% of okay. the ARB. So business is pretty usual for you. Pretty um, usual. A lot of people are saying that people are not lending like for hard money loans right now, but you are one of that is still right. lending. So uh, a little history about the way hard money lenders work. There's two types of lenders. You've got private equity and you've got securitized equity. Um, securitized are groups like Lima One Capital, Finance of America, um, RCN. Those are big nationwide companies backed by hedge funds. They, they originate loans and lend money to people, and then they package those up as a security and sell them on Wall Street. So they have just a like finite mortgages. amount of capital. Yeah. yeah, just like mortgages. Uh, so there's a since 2011, there's been a really big secondary market for uh, non-bank you know, investor loans. Uh, they're considered very secure. You get higher yields than you do on mortgages. And so Wall Street's been had a good appetite for them. 
right now the credit markets are so shot um, that nobody's buying paper. And so those lenders are effectively out of business right now. They're not lending. Right. Um, turn to uh, groups like us that are private equity based. Um, the money comes out of private equity funds. Uh, I own a fund called High Gravity Investments. Uh, we lend out of it. And then I have partnerships with other private equity funds around the country um, that have an appetite for these type of loans as well. And so regardless of whether or not you come to property recycling for a loan, your servicing check may go to one or two different funds scattered across the country, depending on who's, uh, who's got money going out right now. Uh, and so that relationship uh, is, is all like serviced in house on their property. So um, like the, the big securitized lenders, you're not writing a check to that lender. You're writing a check to some big hedge fund somewhere that bought the paper. Uh, so you're, with, with private equity, you generally have a little bit better customer service, a little more flexibility. Um, you know, if you get in a bind on a project, you know who to call and how you can get help uh, get you out of a sticky situation. So one of the reasons a lot of people prefer to use us uh, over the big hedge funds. We also close. Are you taking on new borrowers right now? We are. Um, you know, we can we can onboard nearly a limited number of borrowers right now based on the sources of capital that I have. We are scrutinizing a lack of experience a little bit. So if it's your first time flip, honestly, I just want to have a conversation with you first and, and ask you why you're choosing such a volatile market to do your first flip. Like we don't know what ARVs are going to be. We don't know anything when we get out of this. It's very arbitrary home. right now. That's what I keep very saying. Very arbitrary. Um, you know, and, and experienced guys like us. I mean, I've got six rehabs going right now. We have no idea what they're going to yeah. sell for. We feel comfortable, confident yeah. that we're still going to get our numbers or something close to it, but we right. honestly don't know. It depends if on they how hits the market. Start. You decide. Yeah, exactly. So a, a new borrower, someone who has zero experience, we're going to have a long conversation before, um, before we, we issue you a loan. And the most important thing is because I want you to be successful. Um, I don't want to lend you money just because you're a number to me and you yeah. come back and you lost money on that deal because something went awry, you ran out of capital, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you hate Mike Brady because he enabled you to do this deal. I want to be uh, close with my borrowers and, and keep them as customers for a long time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've learned with the deals I've done over the last few years, Mike, that lenders can be your first line of defense for keeping you out of a bad deal, mm -hmm. making bad decisions because like, they actually, they don't want the property. They have, they don't want anything to do with taking back the property. They just want to make their yield on the money. And that's all they want to do. It's way easier for them. So if, if the deal looks thin or if, the, if they don't believe that you can pull it off, or you don't have the team resources, them saying no is sometimes a great thing because it's like, it, it can be a, a reality check to be like, do I really have the team and resources in place to better make this happen? Yeah, especially multifamily deals, your lender has a lot to do with if that is a, a realistic property or not. Yeah, creditable property. Deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so, well, um, cool. I know that today, Mike, specifically you called me and you wanted to, you know, talk about something that's going on in Davidson County. Uh, we know that Mayor Cooper is wanting to raise property taxes because of COVID-19 and the tornado and Long story short, Metro Davidson, they're in massive amounts of debt. And what a great place to start would be property taxes. And Mike wanted to kind of take a property and explain what does property taxes really mean? I'm going to share my screen. I hope you can see it. But if not, just kind of follow along and 
So we did some real quick research um, leading up to this. Uh, I, I decided to talk about this a little bit based on the conversation you guys had with Grant Hammond on Wednesday um, that a property tax hike is coming. Uh, we learned that in 2017, uh, it was a 37% increase in assessment. Um, and, you know, we should expect something very close to that here in 2020 or 2021. 2021 is actually four years out. Um, I'm, I'm getting conflicting information as to whether or not there will be a, a reassessment this year or next. Um, but it's something to think about, especially when we're not in such a hot market that we were in 2017. Um, it could still be a very strong market, but not necessarily uh, just red hot on fire like 2017 was. So I threw together this quick spreadsheet here. Um, and anybody who's listening, if you've got a property that, uh, that you want to run through this scenario, um, I, I think we should find that the end result is going to be about the same, but I'm happy to plug in uh, what your tax value is and what your annual taxes are. So just uh, throw something in the comments. So, but this property here is assessed at $175,100. The uh, annual property taxes on that are $13,8110. As you can see, if we have a 40% increase in the, um, the tax basis for that property or the, the appraised value, um, the property taxes are going to increase from $13,8110 up to that $1,933.54. All right, so that's a $46 a month increase. So my argument and my argument has always been retail values of real estate is based on what the buyer can pay per month, right? They could care less what their purchase price is. All they care about is that check that they write every month and how that fits into their budget, right? So Always. we have to price our property based off of two variables, um, interest rates, right? Taxes, so three variables, taxes and insurance. So those three are fixed variables. We can't change those. The only, so the only thing that can change is the price of the real estate in order to meet that monthly budget for that buyer. So all things being equal, a buyer can afford X amount of dollars per month. They're going to have to look for a house in that price range that meets their requirements. Say it's a three bedroom, two bath, whatever it is. So in this example that I've got here, um, we've increased the monthly tax bill on a 40% increase in, in the appraised value that the tax bill goes up $46.04 per month, right? If you've got a 4.5% interest rate, monthly mortgage payment on this, assuming 100% financing, 30-year uh, amortization schedule, you've got a uh, $887.21 mortgage payment. If you back out that $46 in increased taxes, which is a fixed variable, uh, which is kind of a oxymoron, I realize. <laughs> so the new mortgage payment now becomes eight forty one seventeen. That's a five point one nine percent reduction in what the mortgage payment can be, which equates out in quick math to a new ARV on that house of one hundred sixty six thousand dollars, as opposed to one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. So, is this a guaranteed thing? Is this really in real life what happens? No, probably not. But as we enter into um, a season where taxes are going to be going up on real estate, which we need. I mean, we desperately need a higher tax basis here in Nashville. Um, I, I came here from Texas and 
property taxes are literally three times what they are here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm from Texas too. It's the yeah, same thing. Like my $350,000 house in Texas had a $6,000 a year property tax bill. Yeah. Like we are so far behind other, other states that don't have state income tax that it's not even funny. And that's why, you know, you look at the city services for Nashville, like to think a, a neighborhood like East Nashville that's so close to the urban center it still has bar ditches instead of uh, sidewalks and, and underground stormwater. It's just, we're, we're so far behind other cities and, and those aspects. Mass transit's another that I could go down a long road on for my opinions. This but, isn't all about Metro now. <laughs> right. Um, so have there been any, I haven't checked the comments. Have there been any comments for anybody who wanted to well, run? Let me go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and get off that screen right now. Okay. And then I can go ahead and check the comments. Um, it's kind of hard for me without triggering. I don't really not see much of anything. I'm looking on Facebook. I don't see any comments right now. Okay. I mean, so Mike, I'm curious because I'm building my personal house right now. I mean, we could easily do an assessment there if we yep. want to run through, run through the number. What, what do you think the uh, what What do you think the tax assessment on that property would be? So this is where I'd love some clarification because. Um, do you want to give me the address? Yeah, so the address is 1001 North 6. Um, I'm building it right now. The 6th Ave? Uh, North 6th Street. Street. It's in Cleveland Park. Um, the property... Everybody knows your address now, too. That's cool. Come <laughs> hang out, guys. That's <laughs> You're like, that's my oh, wait. It's like, we, it's like we kind of do forget that there's other people listening sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you want to find me, it's, it's not that hard. You just... You search property assessor website. Uh, yeah. So the total tax appraisal on that is only 202000 Obviously, that's going to go up. What do you think it'll be assessed at? So that's, okay, so that was, I tore down the house and I'm rebuilding a house. Um, so this is where it becomes fuzzy and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Tax appraisal is not always equal to market value. Correct? No, it's not. Because usually the tax assessment values is lower. It's not really taking into effect like any type of additional features or anything like that. Right. So even when you look at a tax card, you've got your um, your your uh, appraise appraisal for the land, appraisal for the improvements for your total tax appraisal. Tax appraisal is absolutely not equivalent to market value, um, which is a good thing because tax value is almost always lower than market value. Other markets um, that, that I've been in, um, like they, they redo assessments or they're allowed to redo assessments annually. And so uh, a sale of a property will trigger a reassessment of that property. So for example, if you've got a tax assessment on a property that at 250,000, but you pay 350 for it, the year after you buy it, they're gonna update that assessment to 350 because they're gonna match market value. They don't seem to do that here in Nashville. Um, I'm not, as well versed maybe as I should be on how exactly that works or how they come up with the assessments, but they certainly don't follow market value. Right. Well, so I can answer what I think market value for the property will be worth, but the assessed value, that's a whole different ball game. Like we could look at, Let me look at my house real quick. Maybe we can get a generalization. All right, so 
my house total appraisal on it is two hundred thousand, and we paid three thirty for this house. So um, obviously, that's, that's a like big disparity. Thirty percent less, maybe. So, and if they're going to increase assessments by a, a, a and, and I don't even get this either. Like, does everywhere in the county does it all go up thirty seven percent? So, if my tax assessment is one ninety six four hundred, and I multiply that by one point three seven. My new tax assessment is going to be 269.068. So we're still not even close to market value on that. Yeah. Mine is like my appraised value for my house. I paid 250 and uh, total appraised value is 210. Right. So it's about so it's you very your basic property 20, 20% cheaper. Yeah. I just, I don't understand exactly how they come up with the assessed value in comparison to. I mean, because I know market value is not the assessed value. Like, I don't know if there's a. Is there, hey, David, is there a new build maybe close to your house that I could look up and see um, what the yeah, assessment is on that? Let's do the house across the street. It's, um, let's see, hold on. Let me, let me check the address. So the one across oh. the street is 1000 North 6th Street. 1000 North 6th. Yeah. Do, do, do. <laughs> Maybe we should pause yeah. it. All right. So that one has a total tax appraisal of 540000 So I So I guess with the, uh, and what Frankie just said in Facebook, he said it kind of follows they flag sales and permits. Uh, they raise taxes after permits the next year, change of ownership um, until reassessment. So, but mine, Frankie, didn't go up with a change of ownership. Um, and we just did some light cosmetics. So there was no real, uh, no permit pulled on that one. So, but I would agree that, um, at least in the case of this one, we just looked up the 1000 North sixth. Um, it's showing that this one. That was built like two or three years ago, maybe. Yeah. So this one was assessed in 2019, according to the tax card. Um, and uh, looks like the, the taxes went from in 2017, $792, 2018, um, 1,781 and then 2019 when they reassessed it went to $4,263 a year. So we'll use this one as an example. So assessed value of 54600, annual property taxes are 4263.98. With a 40% increase, it's gonna bring the taxes up to 5,969. Greg, if you wanna pop that uh, spreadsheet back up, so that's an extra expense of $142.13 per month to the homeowner. Monthly mortgage payment at 100% financing was the $27.39. Now it's $2,597, which gives me an exa the exact same uh, decrease in retail value, assuming that that borrower can't absorb the increase in taxes. So your, your property went from $540,000 to $512,000. Yep. So again, that is was, this yeah. a real world example? No, not really, because it, it, at the end of the day, a borrower or a buyer looking at a 
half million dollar house can probably absorb $142 a month, but do increase taxes, put downward pressure on retail sales? Absolutely. Um, and you should use something like this, this kind of 5% rule to when, when you're evaluating a deal that you want to buy or build, you should take into account this 5% reduction in retail value when you go to sell this thing. Um, because if you don't, you could get burned. If you do and you buy it conservatively based on some of these uh, factors that can come into play while you're rehabbing the house, then you're going to uh, be in that conservative position where if it does come to fruition where your ARV is lowered from 540 to 515, let's say, um, you're already protected. And if it's somewhere in between, you're experiencing additional profit. Um, those are some of the things that your lenders are going to be thinking about when they're when they're underwriting deals for you. And one of the reasons we you know bump down to 65% right now is we don't know what the market's going to do. And we don't want you to be over leveraged on the house if you have to sit on it for a couple extra months because days on market are taking longer. Or if you have to lower the purchase price or the sales price in order to get the property sold because of various reasons, unemployment uh, and, right. and other recession related items. So um, this is just one example of some of the um, underwriting considerations that we take into account as lenders when we see stuff coming down the pipeline. Cool. Awesome. Well, Mike, how can everyone get a hold of you, bro? So um, my office number is 615-806-7500. Um, uh, yep. Website is www.propertyrecycle.com. That's for acquisition. If you're looking to refinance a rental, we have a new website. Please go check it out. It is cashoutrefiguys.com. Tell us a little bit about that. So our, uh, we've really recently moved heavily into refinancing for single family and multifamily rentals. Mm -hmm. um, Pre-COVID, man, we were doing 30-year fully amortized um, multifamily loans up to $5 million, 30 year fully amortized fixed uh, at like six and a quarter. Ridiculous. What is it uh, now, so, shall I ask? Uh, now it's not even available because those are securitized lenders. So we're on hold right now until the credit markets open back up. Gotcha. Um, if you're in a bind right now and you got to get out of some short-term money because of maturity, or if you need to access uh, the capital in a property that you paid cash for that you've turned into a rental, we can do some one-year bridge loans for you. They're not cheap. They're not preferable. They are, they are literally stop gaps if you're in trouble on a property and need to get some money out of it. So um, that is available if you need it. We can do those bridges, but if you can wait, I would encourage you to. We feel confident that by the end of May, the credit markets will have loosened up enough that we can start writing some of these refinance loans again. Yeah. We're expecting amortizations to drop to 20 or 25 uh, instead of 30. Still a fixed rate uh, for at least 10 years and then adjustable rate after that. Um, so I would say post-COVID, uh, you know, end of second quarter, beginning of third quarter, we're probably writing refinance notes, 10-year notes, uh, adjustable after that on 20-year AMs, probably in the low to mid-sevens. For well-qualified borrowers, obviously. Now, if you got a credit score below 700, they're going to start gigging you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, my, my question, in the midst of all this stuff going on, um, 
what strategically are you doing differently in your business outside of like, I know the lending stuff, but you're also a very, very skilled uh, investor. Like how are you positioning yourself for the next, let's say three to six months? You know, we were right in the middle of our, um, of our inventory cycle. So we were not in an acquisition uh, point in our, in our business right now. We've got five rehabs going. Um, those should start one of them's already hit the market another one will be up probably first of may and then they should start every couple weeks going to market so hopefully by june we're sold out of inventory in that point in time it's going to give us the opportunity to reassess the market and see what we're going to be doing to buy but um you know i'm going to be looking to be as conservative as i can that's for sure um i've had the strategy expecting recession since 2017 we only work on houses that are going to be at or just above the median home sale price. So I have not sold a house above $350,000 since 2017. Um, we felt that staying below the median home value is going to be a way to make sure that we're getting out of our inventory in a recession. Um, and now that the recession is here, we don't yet know how bad it is, but we do feel pretty comfortable in our inventory and that um, there will be a buyer for it because we're not at the top of the market. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, right. You don't want to be in that over five hundred price point right now, especially for like, you know, depending on where it is, of course. But but here's the thing: there's an argument that that's counter to that, Greg. And that argument is that the the people shopping for five to eight hundred thousand dollar houses are the upper middle class people that uh, didn't lose their jobs. You know, they are. A lot are still are. paying them. They're still working. And so it's the first time home buyers, the lower in, uh, lower middle class, uh, the people making that breach into the middle class, those are the people being most affected right now. And so there could actually be a disparity between, uh, for that first time home buyer price point, let's say 200 to 350, the stuff that we were planning on having home runs in because we were protecting ourselves from recession, it could be the exact opposite. Yeah. Where only the higher end houses yeah. because first time home buyers can't get a loan. Well, where are they getting the jumbo loans right now? I mean, Fannie and Freddie are still lending, so jumbos are coming from from them. Gotcha. Cool. All right, guys. Well, Mike. Well, anybody wants to go find Mike at Deals? Well, I guess we don't have Deals, Deals, Deals right now, but very soon. No, or Deal Makers, yeah. So Deal Makers, um, yeah, on Facebook. We will probably bump again in May and then come back with Deal Makers, which is the first Tuesday of the month. Um, we do it at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. We gear it more towards experienced investors. So that's why we do it during the business day. Um, and then deals, deals, deals is Tyler's it's later that afternoon, uh, at six, we may be moving deal makers to the opposite of deals, deals, deals in the third Tuesday of the month, but haven't quite done that yet. So cool. Well, that'd be great. Awesome. Let's see here. Chad asked, do all no non-owner occupied STRPs get taxed? at commercial 40% by county? I don't have an answer for that. That's a grant question, probably. Because, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's based on the zoning. I think if it's a commercial zoning, maybe, but I think if it's normal residential, yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I know you have the hotel tax on there, but that's on your gross revenue, I believe. Man, I'd man. either Grant or, or Mike Gomez. One of those guys will know the answer. Those guys, yeah. I don't have an answer for that. Huh. 
Cool. All right, fellas. Well, I've got a roll. It was wonderful, Mike, hanging with you on our 12th episode of Deal Make or uh, Deal Shredders. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to steal my name, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> episode 12 dave morgan mike brady hey guys, guys reach out anytime thanks again guys you guys thanks mike you have a good day man bye-bye